to look today, we're going to go to Psalm 136. But before we start reading there, I just wanted to talk about how wonderful this time of year is. You know, I, I love this time of year. It's a, it's a special time. We have a very wonderful, special holiday just around the corner. You, you know what I'm talking about, right? Christmas, right? It's, it's almost Black Friday, time to go shopping, put the Christmas tree up, start playing the Christmas song. Did I miss something? I, I missed the holiday, didn't I, right? We have a tendency in the society to blow right past Thanksgiving, don't we? Thanksgiving is just around the corner. And there is a temptation to ignore that in the world. Uh, soon as Halloween is over, essentially starts putting up all the Christmas stuff and likes to promote Christmas. But as Christians especially, the Thanksgiving holiday should be a special time, a reminder of all the things that we have to be thankful for. And as we're going to look at Psalm 136, we're going to review a list of things that are true about God and remind us of some simple ways to give God thanks for all the things that he's done in our lives and, and all that he is and means to us. This psalm is going to be simple. It's not going to be a complex evaluation. It's pretty straightforward. But I think it will be a helpful reset of our focus, that we focus on God and how good he is and all that he does and all that we have to be thankful for him. So we're going to read in Psalm 136. Before we start doing that, though, I wanted to explain, if you look at Psalm 136 or at all familiar with this already, there is a phrase repeated all throughout this psalm. And that is the phrase... For his, his loving kindness is everlasting. It's in every verse of the psalm. And it is the focus of the psalm. Uh, you may find, if you were to look at multiple translations, you may find that this word is translated at times mercy. I believe it's that way in the King James. You find here in the NASB it's translated loving kindness. The word is a very important and special word in Hebrew, and the word is hesed. And it means God's royal or loyal love to his people. So this is a special love and kindness, therefore, that God shows to his people. It is this covenant love of his chosen people. God does show compassion and has love, that he displays to all people. The, the, the Bible talks about how God brings rain and sun to all the world, even those who are unrighteous. But this kind of love is a special favor and is unique to his children. So as we look at this psalm, we're going to understand this psalm is a psalm of thankfulness about the love of God for uh, his children, and therefore how we should be thankful for God's love for us and his kindness and all that he does and shows us. Now, this Psalm 136 was probably, probably used antiphonally. Uh, the idea is uh, one phrase would be read by uh, one part of the assembly and then the response would be said by the other part of the assembly, that being the response of for his loving kindness is everlasting, kind of like the concept you see in 
the Old Testament where uh, part of the Israelites go up on one side of the mountain and they say the blessings and the other side, on the other side of the mountain, say the curses, right? So um, what I would like to do today is ask you to respond to what I say. So we're kind of a small congregation. So instead of having one side read part and the other side read another part, I'll read the main part that's different for each section, and I'd like you to respond by saying, for his loving kindness is everlasting. All right? Can we do that? All right. So let's go ahead and read the whole psalm and in that fashion. So just as an example, you don't have to do it yet. Verse 1, I'll say, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, and you'll respond with, for his loving kindness is everlasting, all right? So we'll do that for our first 26 verses that we read together. And then during the message, please don't do that, all right? You'll, you'll derail me, all right? But I may ask you at the very end to do it one more time as a reminder. But let's go ahead and read Psalm 136, 1 to 26. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For Give thanks to the God of gods. For his loving kindness Give thanks to the Lord of lords. For his loving kindness To him alone does great wonders. For his loving To him who made the heavens with skill. For his loving To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights, For his is the sun to rule by day, For his is the moon and stars to rule by night, For his is to him who smote the Egyptians and their firstborn, For his is and brought Israel out from their midst. With a strong hand and outstretched arm. For his is to him who divided the Red Sea asunder. For his is and made Israel pass through the midst of it. For his is but he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. For his is to him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel, his servant. Who remembered us in our lowest state and has rescued us from our adversaries, who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good and gracious. We thank you that we have this psalm 
that reminds us of your goodness, your greatness, your generosity, your protection, your love for us. Help us, Father, to be reminded of these things often and help it be the pattern of our lives to give you thanks, not just to carve out one day a year to do that. Help us to make it our daily habit to remember these things and to be acting in service to you because we are thankful for what you've done in our lives and how you provide for us each day. And we pray that you would encourage us, help us to be reminded about all that you are and do for us, but help us also to be challenged to hold these things before us on a regular basis. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's go back to verse 1. Why do we thank God? We thank God ultimately for his loving kindness, as we have heard many times already. And our, and our focus this morning will have to work through the difference, differences in each of these verses, but we need to hold before us the reminder of this theme. God is kind. He shows loving kindness to his children, and we need to praise him and thank him for that. But we're going we're gonna to dive into all these differences we find in each of these verses. So let's see. First of all, in verse 1, we thank God because he is good. He is good. He is righteous. He is pure without any evil motives. He is kind and seeks the good of his children. He does what is right. He does what is good. He is giving. He is generous. He gives many benefits to his children. I love Psalm 103. You're familiar with Psalm 103 and how it talks about God and his goodness and all the benefits to the children of God. And then it lays those out in Psalm 103. God is good. But notice also, secondly, we give thanks to God, the God of gods. Now, verse 1 it tells us that we give thanks to the Lord. I forgot to mention there that that is the personal name of God. So he's referencing here God as the God of Israel, the one by which he identified himself to Moses, and, and then he shared with the Israelites. So that is what he says in verse 1. And here he says we give thanks to God, the God of God. So uh, there are many concepts of gods in this world. It is... Uh, a, uh, we're familiar with the, the Romans in particular. They talked about different gods, the Roman gods that they had, who were all uh, very much just like human beings, selfish, uh, petty, fickle, right? Those, those were called gods, but our God is the supreme God. There is no other like him, right? Uh, I'm reminded, if you, if you watch uh, pro football at all, uh, either on Sunday nights or Monday nights, I can't remember which one it is, they will go through and introduce all the players that are playing in the games, and these players will all state which, which universities they came from. So there's a couple universities that uh, the players that do this have kind of had a uh, unique way of saying it, and one of those was, for a long time, players that came from Ohio State University, they would say, the... Ohio State University, drawing attention to this university is the supreme example of the university in the state of Ohio, right? Well, and there's another one that they would do this with as well, was those that were from the University of Miami, 
they would just say the U as if it's the supreme example of the university, right, uh, in the United States. But in contrast to these men who would do this about their university, think about that concept in regards to God. He is not a God. He is the God. Our God is the supreme. There is no challenger. And combine that with the fact that he is good. He is the supreme one. No one can oppose him. He is the omnipotent, the omnipresent, the omniscient, the infinite, perfect, holy God. There is nothing too big or hard for God. Certainly cause to give him thanks. He is the supreme. He is also the sovereign. Look at verse 3. We give thanks to the Lord of lords. The idea of Lord is one who is a ruler, someone who is in charge or in control. And certainly in this world, there are many who are in control. There are many that have authority. But he is the one that has all authority, the supreme authority. So we give thanks to God because he is the sovereign. And and we give him thanks for each of these things. They work together and accomplish great things in our lives, right? He is not just the supreme and all-powerful one who is mean and harsh. He is good. He is gracious. We should give him thanks for that. Um, in, in contrast to this, the, the idea, I don't know if you're familiar with the, the symbol of the yin and the yang. Do you really understand what that symbol means? The, the yin and the yang symbol, though it's you know, kind of a popular uh, artistic looking thing where it's this uh, two different uh, halves of a circle uniquely shaped, but the idea behind it is that it represents an eternal struggle of good and evil. But that's not true. Ultimately, God allows evil to take place right now, but will ultimately squelch it all, end it all. He is the supreme. He is the good one. And therefore, we can and should give him thanks and praise. One of my favorite songs is the Hallelujah Chorus. It's built on Psalm, or I'm sorry, Revelation 19. And it's from that time where the Lord is going to come to earth and he's going to reign on the earth and is the celebration. Why? Because the powerful, all-powerful God will be king of kings. He will rule. And not only is he powerful, but he is good. So his rule will be good. That is cause for celebration and rejoicing, is it not? If you're anything like me, and I imagine you are in this regard, this was a very difficult last political election we had for our president, wasn't it? And instead of looking at that election as, what is my favorite choice? Did we not have to look at that election like which of the two are the lesser of the evils? Right? Because we had to put somebody in office who we didn't agree with, that we didn't like, and, and uh, didn't line up with our value systems. 
So it was wrestling with, do I vote at all? Because I'm not really behind either of these people. Or do I choose the lesser of two evils? Because these people that would get power were corrupt human beings. They were rulers, in one sense, not really qualified to be rulers, right? And yet the contrast of our God and how we look forward to Revelation 19 where our Lord returns, we'll have a ruler who is good, who's all-powerful. What a glorious day that will be. We look forward to that, though even though it hasn't happened yet. He's still ultimately in control, and we thank him, we praise him, for he is good. And he demonstrates that on a daily basis. He is kind. He is loving to his people. Even though we live in the midst of a, a society that rejects him, and there are many evil things happening, our God provides for us. He takes care of us. He demonstrates his goodness. And in our lives, he demonstrates he's ultimately in control. We need to thank him. We need to thank him for he is good. He is the God of gods. He is the Lord of lords. And we should pray, as our Lord instructed us, that his return would come quickly. Because that's what we look forward to. But let's also look at verses 4 through 9 here and see how we thank him, we praise him, because he is all-powerful as displayed in the creation. Look at verse 4. It says, To him alone who does uh, great wonders... He is the powerful God. He is the one who does miracles. He demonstrates his power in the creation, as we see in the next five verses, five through nine. It says, to him who made the heavens with skill. He made the heavens, and note that it's heavens. There are three heavens that the scripture speaks of, right? There is the air where the birds fly. There is the space, and there is the presence of God, the third heaven, uh, we praise God because he made these things. We praise God, it says in verse 6, who spread out the heaven, or I'm sorry, he spread out the earth above the waters. God made the land, he made the sea, he made the land for us to dwell on. And we praise him because it is a demonstration of his great power. It's amazing to think about the vastness of the earth. Uh, one thing that uh, I also thought about not long ago was uh, not only the massive nature of the earth, but the amount of earth as well beneath the waters. The mammoth amount of land, the vastness of the earth. And uh, a few years ago, there was that tragedy that happened with that plane that was missing that uh, flew out of Malaysia, if you're familiar. Remember, there's a big search. And it was just amazing to think about, even with all of this technology that man has acquired, the inability of man to search the breadth of the ocean floor to try and find this plane that perhaps had crashed there. Um, I'm not trying to espouse exactly what happened there, a state of theory. My point is, it just exposed to me, in spite of our great technology, the earth is so vast, God's creation is so wide, and all that he made is not even fully explored by mankind yet. It's amazing. Our God is amazing. Notice also the creation of the heavenly lights, verse 7. To him who made the great lights. He made the great lights. What are those great lights? Verse 8, it's the sun to rule by day. He's given us the sun. He gives us warmth. 
He's given us light to, to uh, enjoy, to see, to get around, to do the things we need to do. He's given us sunlight that uh, allows us to grow food and have what we need. We have also the moon and stars, the beauty of the moon and stars uh, that rule by night. It tells us many of these things which are used for navigation or are just beautiful to look at. These are causes for praising God. Why do we thank God for these things? Again, remember the context of our psalm. God lovingly created these things. It's not just a display of his power. It is also a demonstration of his loving kindness, his love. He gives us sun for food and warmth. He gives us moon for light and beauty, navigation um, for the stars. He, he created all of it with loving purposes in mind. And yet, think about the magnitude of the creation. How long does it take mankind to build things? Now, I realize I'm not an expert, but I, I looked on Google for some time frames for some things. How long do you think it takes mankind to build a 777 plane? The, 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 uh, the thing that I saw, I'm hearing various answers. The thing that I saw said, uh, if everything were efficient, essentially it would take about 83 days. And that's, that seems actually pretty fast. Think about an aircraft carrier. Unfortunately, uh, Bruce isn't here for me to ask him about that. But uh, um, how long do you think it takes him to make an aircraft carrier? Years. Years. I was reading something that said they started on one in 2005, and by 2016 it wasn't even done yet. Maybe, maybe up to 10 or more years to make one of those things. Now, those when completed, those are marvels of human achievement. But compared to the creation, they're nothing. And God did that in six days, and we understand the nature of God, it didn't take six days. He did that to set up our schedule, our time, our week. It's not that it took him six days to figure out how to do it or to make it happen. He spoke, and it was. Our God is powerful as displayed in creation and is cause to give him thanks. I can't imagine a life without God. Think about the many people in this world who reject God, those who hold to evolution or reject that God is the creator. What a hopeless world they live in. We have an all-powerful God. We have the all-powerful God who wants to hear from us and answers our requests and has designed these things to meet our needs. We have cause to give, we give thanks, do we not? We do. Our God is amazing. He is worthy of thanks and praise. He is also the deliverer. I want you to see with me, starting in verse 10 how he punishes oppressors. Notice, to him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn. To him who smote the Egyptians in their firstborn. You know uh, about the history of the Israelites in Egypt, how they were in slavery. Verse 11 as well talks about and brought Israel out from their midst. They were in slavery in Egypt. 
God brought them out through powerful signs and wonders. He powerfully punished the Egyptians, the, the, the evil Pharaoh, and, and the harsh, cruel things they did to the Israelites. God delivered them from that oppressive slavery that they were under. Uh, and he made his wonders known worldwide and, and throughout history since then. God has demonstrated his power. He is worthy of thanks for his deliverance. It's Notice verse 13 to 15. He leads through the impossible. It says, verse 13, To him who divided the Red Sea asunder and made Israel, verse 14, pass through the midst of it. And 15, But he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. We see how God delivered them from the oppressor. God brought them through and he provided for them, gave them a safe way through while destroying Pharaoh and his army. Notice in verse 15 it says, he overthrew Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. Don't know if you've ever seen the movie, The Ten Commandments, but who lives at the end of that movie? Pharaoh's still alive. You know, Pharaoh somehow escapes, but that's not biblical, is it? There's, there's a lot of other things that are not biblical about that. But God overthrew Pharaoh and his army. He delivered the Israelites from their oppressors. And he led them, verse 16, through the wilderness. Notice it says he led his people through the wilderness. God is uh, good. He leads his people through it. Now again, what is connecting all of this? It is God's royal or loyal love to his people. He took care of his people. He provided for them. He protected them. He delivered them. We praise God because he is the personal God who loves and powerfully fights for his children. Though we are not oppressed by the nation of Egypt, we do have those and things that oppress us in this world, and we are needing his deliverance from sin. Sin is that which oppresses us and puts us in bondage, right? And God provides deliverance through his son. We praise him because he delivers us. And he does this in his, his loyal love for his people. Look at verse 17 to 22. It also talks about powerful kings that he uh, removed and protected them from. It says, To him who smote great kings and slew mighty kings, Sihon, king of the Amorites, and Og, king of Bashan, and gave their land as a heritage, even a heritage to Israel, his servant. You know, the Bible says, The meek shall inherit the earth. There are people in power now who won't be. God is going to take the power away from people that have it now, that don't know him, and he is going to give the earth to his children. He is going to deliver us from the power of evil rulers in this world, and ultimately uh, the Son, Jesus Christ, will live and reign on the earth, and we look forward to that day. He is our deliverer. We therefore give him thanks. We give him thanks. But thinking of this idea of deliverance, I thought it would be helpful for us to also think about how God has delivered us from things. 
Can you think back? I, I, I believe many of you were saved a number of years ago. Can you think back to when you're first saved and what some of the struggles were in your life at that time? Are there not a number of things that are no longer struggles in your lives because God has brought deliverance? We were just talking in Sunday school about uh, music, and I think in some ways uh, Bob's testimony is similar to mine. I got saved when I was 19. There were a lot of things in my, in my life, including uh, the wrong kind of music that was a regular part of my life and very powerful influence in my life. Those things aren't, aren't there anymore. That's a struggle that God's brought deliverance on. Many of the struggles I can't share with you, but I believe you're the same way. Right? If you've been saved for a while, there are a number of things that God has brought deliverance in your life. How often do we think about that? And thank him for that. It's easy for us to take that for granted and just be focused on the struggles that we have right now and to want deliverance from those things, which we should, and we should pray about those things, but we should also take time to go back and remember all the things that God has already brought us out from. Not exactly sure on the date that this psalm was written, but it was written after they came out of Egypt. And it was a reflection back on how God had delivered them and brought them out. We need to reflect back. We need to remember how God has delivered us and give him thanks and praise for that. Look also with me at verse 23. We see we should thank God because he's compassionate on our lowly condition. It says, verse 23, who remembered us in our lowest state. He remembered us in our lowest state. He remembers our low condition. When we are in sin without Christ, before salvation, we all are low. We need to remember that. We need to recognize that. But we also need to recognize even if we are saved and walking with the Lord, we still are low. We need him, and he pities us, and he has compassion on us. It tells us, for his loving kindness is everlasting. This love that he has for his children is not temporary. It is a permanent, unremovable love and commitment that he has to his children. Very similar to what we see in Romans where it says, none shall separate us from the love of God, right? Nothing shall separate us from the love of God. We are loved by God, and that love is not a fickle, changing love based on performance. It is a permanent, fixed love. We are lowly, and he loves us. He exalts us. He helps us. He remembers our weakness. Often the problem is we don't. We forget. We get proud. We think we don't need him. But he is gracious. He condescends to our lowest state. We thank him for that. He also, verse 24, is our redeemer. It says he rescued us from our adversaries. In his love, he rescues us from that which controls and binds us, like we're talking about with Egypt. He rescues and delivers us, and he does this again and again. Though we can think back to things that he's brought victory in our lives for since we've been saved, we probably also can look at struggle in our lives and say, there's things 
that were a struggle when we first got saved and are still a struggle today. And that can also be discouraging. But when we look at this verse and remember, he rescues us. He rescues us. And he does this repeatedly. We need to continue to ask him and depend on him for deliverance, right? He delivers us. He does it repeatedly. And we need to thank and praise him for that. We also see he is our provider. Verse 25. He gives food to all flesh. He gives food to all flesh. It is amazing to think about. Think about the size of our society. The size of the population of the world. Seven billion people, last, last I knew. And yet, there's, there's food, right? He provides. I, I know there are people in places where there are uh, people in poverty. Um, we certainly in this country have enjoyed a, a great prosperity, and we, we have plenty. He gives us much to enjoy. He provides for his children. He provides food for people. It is amazing to see how he provides. Think about the children of Israel, and they were, they were complaining at one time about the manna that God was providing for them. And so he decided to uh, give them meat for a day. And what was Moses' reaction to that when God said he was going to do that? Remember Moses' reaction? I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but how, how are you going to do that? How are you going to provide meat for all these people in this place, right? God provided all that quail enough for the children of Israel. And that was a light thing for God, an easy thing. He provides, he richly gives us and often in our society at least the struggle with food is more of not having too much rather than having enough we praise god for his provision for us he richly provides and we could stretch this theme of provision to more than just food he gives us as his children everything that we need and notice how the psalm then comes to a conclusion in thinking about all these things. It says, what, what, what should we do then in response to all this, oh, this overwhelming thoughts about God and his goodness and his loving kindness? What should we do? Verse 26, give thanks to the God of heaven. Give thanks to the God of heaven. We should, this holiday season, not just rejoice about getting some turkey or being able to watch some football or having a vacation away from the job or responsibilities. We should instead give thanks to God. We, we should thank God for vacation and food and time with family. Don't get me wrong, but that's not the whole focus, right? For a Christian, Thanksgiving isn't just Rejoicing in the things the world rejoices in. It's recognizing, yes, those good things are from God, but so much more. We have so much to be thankful for. In conclusion, I just uh, quote a couple uh, statements here from D.A. Carson. I thought summarized well looking at this psalm. In every step of this psalm, we see that God's love endures forever. In verses 1 through 3, we see that no power can resist him. 
in 4 through 9, we see that we are safe in this world because he made it. We also see that he is the redeemer. We experience redemption in verses 10 to 16. We enter into inheritance or ultimately will enter into that final inheritance, verses 17 to 22. We marvel in verses 23 and 24 at his condescension to us who are lowly and we marvel at how he provides for us. We eat our daily bread, looking with gratitude to the hand that feeds us. Uh, verse 25, and all of this, we're reminded as we look at the psalm, we thank God because his loving kindness endures forever. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are loving and kind and generous and good, gracious, and you provide for our needs. You are, you are motivated by love. You are good. You are all-powerful. None can challenge you. We thank you and praise you and take such great assurance in that. Father, we praise you that you deliver us from evil. We know that our struggle is temporary because eventually your children will be completely delivered from evil and we look forward to that with great anticipation. We thank you for the privilege to be included in that deliverance, the work that you did in our hearts to make us your children. Father, if, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray that you would work in their hearts, that they would come to truly understand and, and trust Christ and be able then to enjoy this goodness and this joy we look forward to. We pray, Father, you'd remind us, not just on Thursday, but all throughout the year, that you are good and you are gracious, you meet our needs, you give us many things, and we have much, much to be thankful for. And please help us to be diligent in returning thanks to you, but also demonstrating thankfulness by the way that we live. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.